my favorite kind of quote is if you save one life, you'll save the world entire. So I, I, I'm a strong believer in that if we do, everybody do their part will be a much better place. Right. So, um, my message to people right now would be, it's a, it's a really bad situation. And if you want to save a life, just keep your dog, please. Hi, I'm Alexandra Schiffer, and you're entering the world of Gone Good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and here we are yet again, shining the light and finding the light in the darkness to prove this world of ours doesn't suck as much as cable news says it does. Welcome to World Gone Good. Okay, so if you're listening to this on the first day it airs, which would be, let's see, March 1st, 2023, you're listening to it one day before the preview of my brand new play. Happy Birthday McKenna is a new comedy with a little twist you won't see coming. My first new stage play in 19 years. Oh my God. It runs every weekend in March. So if you're in the LA area, come on down, grab a seat, join the fun. You can find out everything about it at hbmtheplay.com. Again, that's HBM for Happy Birthday McKenna, hbmtheplay.com. I promise you a good and wrong time. Today we are joining the pack, or rather, the pack is joining us. <laughs> you know I love a good animal story. You know you love a good animal story. Don't act like you don't love a good animal story. And that's what the founder of I Stand With My Pack is here to bring us. Alexandra Schiffer is the oh-so-good force of nature who isn't just saving animals. She's working to change the way we see the world and in the process, save it and hopefully ourselves. This is her good story. Alexandra Schiffer is with me, and sometimes, Alexandra, we start wide, so we're going to start super wide by first starting with, where are you from with that amazing accent? <laughs> I'm glad you like it. So um, I'm born and raised in ex-Yugoslavia, say ex because it doesn't exist anymore, but um, I'm still very emotional about a country where I grew up with, I grew up at. So um, I was raised in um, Croatia and Bosnia, and then later on, in, uh, later on in Serbia, I was a refugee from the Yugoslavian War. Um, I moved to France after finishing the school, and then um, about 17, 18 years ago, I ended up in Los Angeles. Which is a war zone of its own. That's a joke. We both know that. Come on now. Uh, but in all seriousness, you were a kid living in a war zone, but also living in constantly changing countries. What was that like? Uh, I mean, when you were a kid, I think the uh, perspective of everything is like much different than when you were an adult, right? So um, the way I was going through all of that was with a dose of acceptance, which a lot of adult people did not have it. They were much more shocked by the situation. It was pretty much everything I knew from the age of eight to age of 18. So um, 
it's hard to say that I adjusted myself to that type of living, but um, it, it was it was pretty hard. It was, um, I think the worst thing about everything is seeing people and animals being so hurt by everything that's happening around them. And um, it's it's much worse than probably anybody who didn't go through the war can imagine. And I'm um, a big, uh, you know, I have a big hope for the world. And I'm, I'm really hoping with, you know, current situation and the future situations that things are going to calm and people will have a reason behind them because there's really nothing worse than war. And it's so, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. I think it became a normal for you because as a child, it's, this is what our normal is. This is what we live through. And then you become an adult. Yeah. And, and that's really, it's, it's, it's painful to understand that it's normal for so many people around the world. And I know you jokingly mentioned LA being, you know, war zone of its own, but you know, we have cities where people also live very harshly. So it's um, in areas in the same cities where, you know, some people, you know, live much more harder lives than other people. And we really need to understand that the reality of situation in the world is, is that much more people are living and struggling in struggling situation than they're having a, a regular um you know, normal environment for life. So I think that's where all came from, you know, this uh, an, a, enormous need to protect the innocent, which are the animals. Um, it came from all of that because I've seen how um, how unprotected they are, and especially in, in those type of emergency situations where everybody's kind of thinking about themselves and how to save their own lives how many of them are left behind and not having any type of um, any type of hope for a, a better tomorrow. So um, it, the war is the worst thing. It brings the worst in people and it leaves nothing but the, but the misery and pain for, for people and animals. And it's so interesting too, because we are so privileged to have water and a roof of our heads, and a bathroom, and heat, and things that we take for granted every single day because they are our normal. And then you look at the rest of the world and parts of Africa and parts of the world all over where water is simply just not available. And you sit and you say to yourself, wait, what is going on? And it's happening right now in Arizona right now. There's parts of Arizona that the water is being cut off from them. It's being taken, but it's also drying up. And 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 these are, you know, people making giant change, not you know, having to get out of their comfort zone and suddenly that's the, their new normal. And it is, it is, it is up, um, uprooting and, and, and extremely difficult, especially when you're an animal, which brings us to our conversation and why you're here. You run an organization called I Stand With My Pack and you came up with this organization when, when did this all start? So um, the idea started about like nine years ago, and I started working on it nine years ago. I've helped before as a volunteer, as a donor. I was rescuing dogs on my own since I was very little, not just dogs, but uh, various different animals, um, because I think that they all deserve the same love, and, and I just look at them all equally. 
but um, the idea started and, and, and focus was on the domestic animal, especially the dog, because I thought that's the closest animal to uh, humans that I can relate to. We know most about them and we live with them. And so I thought that um, by saving dogs, eventually we will be able to um, show this picture to people how other animals are as well amazing and they should also deserve to have the same lives as the dogs. But we're still on the level of dog because um, we're having like a huge problem right now because of a, a very intense number of the dogs that have been abandoned uh, by the breed backyard breeders, by um, their families uh, for various different reasons. So now we're we're just trying to clean up this huge problem in our backyard. Uh, so the we started nine, nine years ago, and about eight years ago, we got our nonprofit not profit status. And since then, I and my team have been working literally every day. Um, I don't really know when was the last time we even like I had a day off uh, or not having an emergency in the rescue. So I, I chose that life. I knew it's not going to be easy, but I thought that by doing, um, by doing so and creating this organization, I would be able to make a little difference. And we are making a difference now, nine years later. And uh, it's not huge compared to a problem that we have, but we're really trying every day. And those animals that we save are so grateful they're loved they have completely different lives than from where they came from uh I, I as i mentioned i started um in la but also international we um and and i and i wanted to include all different animals which we did we we helped uh, a big effort in sumatra and regards to sumatran elephants um we were um actually raising funds for collars, for um, tracking collars. So they would be able to track these elephants and and avoid human-elephant conflict, which is very common over there. And um, we also saved some, uh, helped on efforts to save wild horses. We saved several also horses with um, other rescues in Puerto Rico and in Florida. And uh, we helped, we rescued pigs and all, uh, all different animals. So I believe, you know, over 200, 2,500 animals um, have been saved since uh, that, you know, past eight years of our, of our work. Where did the name come from? I was much more vocal and I would say a little bit more not angrier, but I didn't know how to control my emotions then related to animal abuse. So we were really vocal about um, a dog meat trade and uh, stopping the festival of Yulin. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was organized uh, gathering against the uh, uh, dog meat trade. And um, I was the one of the organizers and, I, I just came up with, I stand with my, like, we have to stand with our pack. And that's where it clicked. Okay, I stand with my pack. And it really, um, it really resonated later because it's not just standing with your 
with animals, but it's also standing with your pack of people who love animals. So that was a message behind the name. And so we're, we're standing all together to make a difference. And that's um, why part of our efforts is to help other rescues and other shelters and other people that are um, on the same mission as ours. When COVID hit, you know, we saw this lockdown happen. We saw something really great happen. We saw all of these shelters get cleared out. And as this was all happening, as someone who has three dogs and a cat himself, um, I had that little weird feeling in my chest of, oh boy, are these people who are taking all these dogs and cats going to commit to the journey that they are on? And what we're now seeing in my estimation, and I think you can speak to this, is that many of those people got the two years out of the dog and the cat and then had to go back to work and it's like a TV or a car. You just, you know, I'll just give it back or I'll just dump it. What? Yeah. uh, No, no, go ahead. Because I want you to speak to that. Yeah, I, uh, there is a lot of that. And, and, and it's very, it's, it's very sad situation because the dogs and other, um, animals, other pets really helped people through pandemic greatly. And, um, you know, just to not even show the gratitude for what they right, did for right. people, people just dispose them. It's, it's really unfortunate. I will say that like the problem is not just that, that that's a part of the problem. And, and I also for I, I knew it, it, it was partially going to happen because, we know people, right? And we know that um, you know, not everybody is going to end up being the most committed uh, pet owner. But what happened is that th- th- there was a mass hysteria, actually, and th- th- there was, and 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 we were part of all of that because we went for our our reasons where we emptied out shelters because we knew what's going to happen. We kind of in advance knew what's going to happen and we started helping shelters right there. And here two years later, three years later, we're seeing such a problem. And it is partially because people are just, we're disposable society. We just, you know, we use somebody or something. And then when we don't have any more use of them, we, you know, dispose them. That's a normal here as we're seeing it. But there is also a lot of that, uh, you know, economic um, issues created uh, all of these other issues where we see an influx of people that are homeless now. And our um, our inbox is flooded with pleas every single day. We get so many pleas, I can't even open mm-hmm. them all. And, um, you know, the, the pleas related to death, pleas related to homelessness, or, you know, people just losing their jobs. So there is like an economic part that also contribute to this problem. And then there is also breeding part that contribute to this problem. Because what happened during pandemic also, I noticed a lot of dogs are stuck for on a person, on a certain breed, getting a certain breed, right? Which I can, to a certain degree, understand. Because if, of course, if they know the breed, they are more likely to get that breed. But um, what it created, created this backyard breeding because like people were not patient enough to wait for their turn to adopt from, a, from a rescue. And, and then the, the dog that they desire, of course, and 
than what they resulted from them seeking a backyard breeder and acquiring the dog through them. And that what that made is even more production of these designer breeds that we're seeing everywhere. We just lost a dog this morning due to distemper, who was a doodle um, and a very, very expensive dog left on the street to die alone because they did not want to invest into getting a medical help or they didn't have sufficient amount of money for medical help. I don't know what the reason behind is, but it's just not okay. That is not moral. It's, it creates, it, it just creates such a darkness in our world because we, we should not contributing to the suffering. We should, we should help these animals that they're helpless and we created on the, it, to begin with. And so now we have an influx of these designer breed dogs that are everywhere, doodles, uh, bullies, uh, anything, any, anything you can possibly imagine. And that is because pandemic actually brought all these purchasers and it, it, it put the numbers of the backyard breeders to the roof. It weighs on you. I can hear that in your voice. And, and anyone listening can hear that in your voice. How do you, how do you come to peace with that? How do you separate it so that you can get your work done? How do you find the good? This is what we talk about on the show. How do you find the good in a dark situation? Well, um, I, I knew that we can't save everybody, right? But the, the, the dogs and animals that we've saved, um, there's a lot of satisfaction just in that. And that's their world. I mean, when you, you know, that there's like a meme out there somewhere. It's like, you can't save all the dogs in the world for, for the one that you did save. You saved his world, their world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my, my favorite kind of quote is if you save one life, you'll save the world entire. So I, I, I'm a strong believer in that if we do, everybody do their part will be a much better place, right? So um, my message to people right now would be, it's a, it's a really bad situation. And if you want to save a life, just keep your dog, please. Just keep your dog because right now there's, there's, they're, 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 they have nowhere to go, even though we would love to help them all. So the good that I'm found, finding is in animals and is also in our, on our human pack. Sorry, that's my dog. So. <laughs> that's perfect. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> so come on. So um, Silver is also one of the dogs that I've uh, that we just recently rescued, and I actually fostered her, and she ended up staying with me forever because she's just a very special girl. I've never had that um, happen ever, Alexandra. I've never done that. <laughs> I've, well, I've only done it. I mean, it's only happened fifty percent of the time. Everyone, <laughs> literally fifty. Mason and Haley in the other room are giant. I don't call them foster fails. I call them foster wins. They are such great yes. dogs that I am like. Mason was a puppy, and I had him lined up. I've told the story before on here. I had him lined up with two different friends. He would have wound up on a houseboat um, with a friend of mine who had a golden lab, and he would have had the time of his life because he loves water. And and Haley as well would have wound up who knows where. But I, I could not, I could not let them go, especially Mason. Mason's my my best pal. Mason lays his eighty pound body uh, 
at least 40 to 50% of it across me every night. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't sleep fantastic. I'm not going to like it. Most of my sleep from about 4am when he gets up and walks around the house and you hear the clicking of his nails, but I get my sleep from about 4am till about 6am. But I got to tell you the nights when I'm traveling and I don't have him laying on me, it takes forever for me to go to sleep because I need him. Oh, no. I mean, I, I I sleep the same way. I sleep in one corner right. and everything is just, you know, spread around. So it's, you know, you have to sacrifice so your dogs could be comfortable, right? <laughs> Uh, but, um, but yeah, that, that, that's a part of the good, right? That's, that's also part of the good. So just creating this wonderful community of, uh, is, is giving me hope, not just like saving dogs, but also, um, contributing to happiness of families. Um, you know, we had uh, people with disabilities that they, um, adopted dogs that are helping them now. We had, you know, uh, all kinds of, uh, people from all walks of life that had all different stories and their dogs actually helped them in their life. One time, um, one of our adopters, um, somebody broke into her home and, and her dog actually was the one who saved her life. Um, so it's, it's, it's this, it, it, all of it, that's all good. And I, and I think that like by continuing to doing this work and, um, just joining your forces with more amazing people that are believing in the same cause and, and are um, part of the same effort. I think that's what it is. And, and I'm, I'm aware that we're not going to change these things easily, but, um, but I also do know that we need to work. So one day they will be changed. So it's not something that comes easy as like anything else in, in human history. But I do believe that at some point we are going to create a much better world for them and ultimately for us, because as it is right now, it's damaging us. It's damaging us morally. It's, it's, it's showing that we have no regards towards life and a sentient beings that can feel so deeply and, and, and have such a wonderful emotions and, and are so loving and, and, you know, dog is, is probably the only animal that's created a pact with, with humans that were only foolish animal to create a pact with humans. Right. And so, (laughs) you know, and, and we owe them, we owe them so much. We created that, created it. And we have to have a responsibility for what we create. You said something really important earlier about being a disposable society. And I think that's so key in so many ways that we live our life because, you know, I'm not bragging here, everybody, but I'm vegan. Um, We own one car. We're a one car family. It's a hybrid. Sorry, it's not electric. I tried. I can only do so much. Uh, I have a, we have a giant composter. I give it to all my neighbors, all the mulch we make. We have rain barrels. I, 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 you know, with all the rain before we got all the rain we got in California, right? I we installed rain yeah. a rain barrel. We got so much rain in that damn rain barrel that I took a I went outside in one of our moving bins that we have that we that we use all the time. We have a whole set of them. They're like made of like durable rubber, you know. I filled that with fifty almost fifty gallons of water and then put the rain barrel back out. So I am fully on board with you. I I won't buy packaged vegetables or fruits. It's like a thing with me. Like I want to go to the supermarket. And I see Brussels sprouts in a bag, and then I see the stock of Brussels sprouts. I know to buy the stock mm-hmm. because I can take that entire stock 
throw it in my composter. Not going to lie. It takes about six months for that bad boy to break down because he is a month. <laughs> it's like a tree. You're putting like a tree in there. But speak to that for a second because I think that's interesting. What, when do you think that happened? Why is it that we are a disposable society? And also your own background of growing up the way you did, how – how does that affect you in the way you had to grow up and look at it as where you didn't have a choice in matters? I, I remember myself when I was very little and I had this awareness where I actually saved an animal. It was a turtle uh, from a group of kids in the neighborhood that wanted to kill the turtle. Those kids and I are brought up in the same exact, you know, manner, right? right? Where, where, you know, and, and we did have like the same education in in some ways as well. But there is an awareness in one person that, you know, those are not, that that's not what you should do. And there is an awareness in, in some people, no, actually no awareness at all. So I think it depends on individuals. Like, I, I don't think that we can all be educated maybe in the same way because the message is not reaching the same, if that makes sense. So I think that we need to find a way how to reach people that are um, sort of disconnected from understanding and, and, and respecting. That's such a good way to put it. That's such a good way to put it. Because I got to say really quickly here, we have a friend. Um, she has a, like a 30-pound turtle, 40-pound turtle that's lived in her backyard forever. And these young kids, 12, 13-year-old, like came over her fence and stole the turtle and took him. And she had to put notes up all over the place. And then they wound up returning the turtle to her. But I, I know that because like when we were little kids, even here, like I grew up in New Jersey and New York, these kids who wanted to kill everything, I never understood that. Like I never, like where, <laughs> like my brain couldn't wrap around, why would you want to kill that bird? Why do you want to, throw rocks at that cat like i don't understand where that is is it a power thing is it a is it a disconnect within themselves i don't know i think there there has to be a disconnect because you know uh also th th let's say that there is a group of kids that want to hurt of, uh, an animal and while hurting an animal they're all going to have a different emotions about it, right? So one out of those, let's say, five kids is going to be like, oh, this is this feels wrong, but I'm doing it because I want to show that I'm, you know, in this. It's it's a it's a flaw of society. I mean, in general, I'm talking about the world, I'm talking not talking about America or it's it's very there are similarities everywhere in the way that people act and behave, no matter where they came from, right? So it it, it, it some people are just disconnected and 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 sadly there is a lot of sociopathic behavior that comes through, you know, certain individuals. I don't know why is happening. I'm, you know, not a medical expert to understand like why is that happening, but it is happening. There's also um, uh, a certain degree of like going with the society because that's how we should be acting. It, it, it and and at the end of the day, it's allowed to. Act. We are allowed. They are allowed to act this way. Yeah, and also it's 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 not directly affecting me. So why should I worry about somebody else? Why should I worry about an animal out there, 
you know, who's on the street because it doesn't affect me and my home and my life. And that, well, that's somebody else's problem. But it's not, it's, it's, it's absolutely not. We we're we're such a, you know, the world is not huge, even though it, 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 it looks like that to us and we're all one. And, and it's, you know, having, having non-moral things happen in a society and make them normal, it creates a a really bad effect on everybody in that society. So some people are going to be sad, depressed because of that situation. Some people are going to become angry. It it creates an effect on, on, on everybody even if some people believe that it doesn't, because we're living in the same world and we're all equally responsible for that world. And I try to shift in my thinking, especially I be care- I'm be i very careful a lot with the word normal um, when mm-hmm. applying it, because sometimes it's better for me, speaking for me, everybody, is that to say healthy, you know, healthy. that's not healthy, I, I agree. right? I agree. I absolutely agree. Because what's really normal at the end of the day? A hundred percent, a hundred. Because my normal and your normal is vastly different. Mm-hmm. And you look at look at our upbringing. Look at look at where we are in life now. Look at what our goals are in the future. Mm-hmm. Of course. Here's a question I ask a lot of my guests, and I and I and I wonder how you'll answer it. What would you, if you could get in a time machine and go back to nine, ten year old Alexandra? What would you say to her? What would you tell her? Um, I would tell her not to worry so much, um, because that comes with, you know, the way I am, I, I always kind of worry and I, I want things to be better, faster. And I would tell to myself to be more patient because I wasn't always patient. And now I know that this is really a fight uh, for the long run. And even if I don't see the change until the end of my life, I think that the movement that we started will eventually bring the change that is so much needed. We close these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know all the answers. <laughs> Question number one is where do people find your organization? How do they support you? Uh, people can find our organization on a website. Uh, uh, on, uh, it's istandwithmypack.org. Uh, they can find us through social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, yes, we have a TikTok too. Uh, it's also, I stand with my pack. <laughs> so just Google us and we, we will pop up and, uh, anything that's, you know, if people want to ask questions, we have a question column where they can pose those questions. If people constantly call us for help. And if they need, if we can, we will definitely help. So, um, yeah, I stand with my pack.org. Second to the last question is uh, one for you that you can answer anything you've already talked about. Doesn't have to be directly related to this conversation. Who inspires you is the question. People that are patient, kind, and um, in their own way are doing, uh, making a difference. Uh, I, I have had several celebrities in, during the life that inspired me um, to think certain way and, and become a person that I am today. But um, 
in most ways, uh, just the regular, ordinary people that are doing the best they can every single day. Those are that's my inspiration. And the final question is not even a question; it's a statement to finish. It goes like this: Again, whatever you want to say, tell me something good. Something good. Well, uh, I, I will tell you something good. We um, rescued a dog named Manny, who I've heard about in Jan- beginning of January. Uh, somebody brought him to the shelter and then didn't want to pay the surrender fee and then just let him go in the park. And then um, I worked with another uh, wonderful gentleman named Mike Noon, who helped a couple of people from the neighborhood to secure the dog. Sadly, the dog ended up at the shelter anyway, and we were keeping an eye on him. And there was a possibility of another rescue rescuing him, but that didn't happen. Then we were called in the last minute and they said, you got to get him because he's on the euthanasia list and he's super sick. So we pulled up for Manny and we got him and he is today actually being moved to a foster home. He's no longer sick and he looks amazing. So that's a good thing for today. Thank you, Alexandra, for sharing your good. Visit the I Stand With My Pack website for more on how you can make a difference in a dog's life and your own. Next time on World Gone Good. My guides are not a bunch of random voices on cards. My guides and all of my life's advice comes from hilarious gay men who are uncensored and don't give a fuck about anything. And on my walk, I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to make an oracle deck in the voice of a hilarious, uncensored, and brutally honest gay man. The first time Wendy Miller dropped by the show, we talked all about sex and her show, Sex Ed the Musical, the podcast. The second time we chatted about how to recycle and reuse all through Buy Nothing. Well, third time's the charm, people. She is back, and she's got oracle cards with a twist. What if, instead of asking the universe for advice, we ask our gay BFFs? Prepare to shuffle the deck in a whole new way on our next good episode. Until then, be good.